The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. is that you leave tonight, like Katie said, with something better than chocolate, okay? Better than diamonds, better than a huge stuffed animal, better than the best date night. Tonight, I want you to leave this room with a new tattoo. Are you ready? Who wants to get some fresh ink tonight? Yeah, okay. I'm wanting you to leave tonight with... With this message, with this verse, these verses we're going to talk about tonight, with these tattooed on your heart, um, imprinted on your heart, that you leave this room fresh ink across your heart, that these are so imprinted that you never forget them, that this is something that you keep coming back to over and over again for the rest of your life. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen says, imprint these words of mine in your hearts and in your minds. So tonight we're leaving with new tattoos indelibly imprinting these scriptures in our hearts. Are you ready for that? All right, let's turn to our scripture, our main text for the night. It's Isaiah 26, 3. And as you turn there, I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for meeting us here tonight, God. We prepare the area, Lord. We prepare our hearts for this tattoo. We get it ready. We're ready to receive, Lord. We're ready for you to imprint these words on our heart. We're ready to become doers of these words. We're ready to memorize and meditate on this word tonight. We say we're open. Come and tear down any walls that we may have built up, that we may have walked in here with tonight. Speak to your daughters, God. We are listening. Thank you for your word that's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that it's going to cut right to the truth, right to the heart of the matter tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, Isaiah 26, 3. If you have your Bibles, you can look there. If not, everything's going to be on the screen for you tonight. It says, you will keep her in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because she trusts in you. Now I went ahead and I changed the he to the she and the him to the her since we're all ladies here tonight. But I wanna actually take it one step further. I wanna take out the he's and the she's and the him's and the hers and I wanna replace it with some I's and some me's. Because this promise, this truth is not just for her. It's not just for, for she, but it's for you and it's for me. Somebody say it's for me. So we're going to read this promise. I want to read it to you and just let it wash over you tonight, okay? You will keep me in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because I trust in you. Okay, one more time. This time I want you to say it with me, okay? Say it with me. Here we go. One, two, three. You will keep me in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because I trust in you. 
Now, this is one of those great and exceeding precious promises that Peter talks about in 2 Peter. And I think it's interesting that um, Josh, Pastor Josh, he was supposed to, or I was supposed to preach this message before he preached his Fruit of the Spirit message on peace, but it didn't work out that way because of the weather. But he actually, um, the end of his message, that peace message, he ended it with this, Isaiah 26, 3. And I love that that's where we are picking up tonight, this precious promise of not just any peace, but perfect peace. Perfect peace. Somebody say perfect peace. Okay, when you look this scripture up and you look at it in the original Hebrew, you're going to see that these words perfect peace, it's actually the same word back to back. It says you will keep her in shalom, 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 shalom. Now in Hebrew, when you see repetition like that, when you see words back to back, you better pay attention. That means the writer is trying to communicate intensity here. It's like if I was typing the scripture, um, I, I would type it like this. You will keep her in all caps, bold, uh, make my font a couple of sizes bigger, perfect peace. Like I want you to see these words and pay attention to these words. Also, when, when the Hebrew writers used repetition like that, it was speaking to the, the certainty of this word. Like this is a sure thing. This peace is sure. It's certain. It was speaking to the enjoyableness of this word, the enjoyment of it, the constancy of it. It was speaking to the continuance of it. And so our writers they had to throw in the word perfect because they're seeing this and like, this is perfect peace that the writers are talking about. This shalom, shalom, the peace, peace. So when we read it, we really need to read it like this. You will keep her in all caps, bold font, peace, certain, enjoyable, constant, continuing, undisturbed peace. Somebody say perfect peace. Perfect peace. Okay, and this is um, a peace that is, uh, covers everything. It's peace between you and God, peace between you and other people. It's peace um, within, it's outward peace. It is peace right now here in the earth and it is peace in the hereafter. It's perfect, continuing peace. How many of you guys want that kind of peace to just break open over your life? Doesn't, doesn't that sound good? Okay, I want you to look at this verse with me again. And this time, I want you to read the first four words with me out loud. You ready? Okay, the first four. Somebody say four. four. Here we go. Okay. You will keep her. Let's do it again. You will keep her. Now, we're going to try something tonight. We're going to have like a... Um, big but kind of small, small group moment, okay? I want you to just, um, whoever you're sitting next to, the people on your row, if you are social distancing or uncomfortable talking to the people next to you, totally get that. Just write it in your notebook. But I want you to, real quick, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word keep? Okay, ready? Talk amongst yourself for about 30 seconds and go. Keep. Okay, okay. Good job. I knew y'all would participate. Y'all are a chatty group tonight. I love it. 
Okay, let's see if any of us thought of kind of the same things. Okay, when I hear the word keep, I think of the word keepsake. That was the first thing that came to my mind, which is surprising because I'm not very much of a keepsake type of person. I'm like, if I'm not using it, get it out of my house. Um, But I have one keepsake that's very precious to me. I have a locket, and inside of it are my son Felix's footprints after I delivered him at 20 weeks stillborn. And it's so precious to me. I will never lose that. I will guard it. I will preserve it. It is a keep sake. Uh, When I think of keep, I also think of housekeeping, like you keep your house. There's a housekeeper. Um, And that's like when God uh, told Adam to tend to the garden and keep the garden. That means you have to take care of it. You're going to regard it. You need to tend to it. It's going to have to be important to you. I need you to dress and keep the garden. And then the last word that came to my mind was the men's hair care product called keeps. And this is for men who are losing hair that they would rather keep. (laughs) They would rather hold on to that hair. They want to keep it in their custody. So whatever words you you thought of, it um, it probably comes with the idea of guarding, protecting, to preserve, to tend to, uh, to hold on to, to keep in custody. This is what God is saying, that he will keep you, guard you, preserve you, tend to you in perfect, all caps, bold, continual, uh, 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 continual and enjoyable, constant peace. That's pretty amazing, right? This is an amazing promise. This is like the galantine of all galantines to my daughters from your father. I want to hold you in my perfect peace. Now, why does it sometimes seem like um, we're not being kept in this peace? First, let me remind you who it is that made this promise. It's the God that we've been singing about all night, that you're a man of your word. This isn't just another guy making a promise that he's not going to follow through on. This is... This is God. He is immutable. He is, he is infinite. He is limitless. He, he goes beyond space and time, right? He is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We sang about how he keeps on getting better, but like Katie said, he, it's not because he's changing and he's getting better. It's because we're seeing different dimensions of him. We're being exposed to different facets of his unending glory and goodness. He is the same, which makes him so trustworthy. He is holy. This is who was making this promise to us. God, a man of his word. So then why are there so many in this room that would say, I'm not experiencing this peace? I don't feel like I'm being held or preserved through this storm. I don't feel like I have constant peace. I I go in and out of peace. It's not a flow. It's not continual. It's not certain in my life. Why do I feel like God was holding his um, hands behind his back with his fingers crossed when he made this promise? Well, what you have to understand about this promise and so many others in scriptures is that there is a proviso in this promise. What's a proviso? It's a condition attached to an agreement or to a promise. There's a condition that goes with this promise. There's a a condition that goes with this agreement. Here's some examples of provisos. Okay, you see this all the time still in contracts. Um, You can have access to the neighborhood pool. Proviso, 
You pay your HOAs monthly, right? Um, I'm going to make this proviso with, with our son Gus when he turns 16. I promise to help you with your car insurance. Proviso, you have a job and you're helping with your car payments, gas, and you're keeping up your grades. There's a condition to this promise. Jesus made promises like this in red letter. You can see them all throughout scripture. He said, I promise you will inherit the earth. Proviso, you are gentle, humble, and meek. He says, uh, I promise you will find me. Proviso, you seek me. I promise the door will be opened. Proviso, you knock on that door. Paul said, I promise you will, uh, I promise you can do all things. Proviso, Christ is your strength. So there's conditions attached to the promises. So let's look at our text again and see if we can't locate the proviso in this promise. It says, God will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. There it is. God will keep you in perfect peace proviso your mind is stayed on him. If you aren't being kept in perfect peace, it's because you aren't keeping up your end of the proviso. This promise becomes null and void when you aren't minding the proviso. In this case, it becomes null and void when we aren't minding our minds. Now, I want to spend the rest of the night talking about this proviso because as much as um, I would love to just talk about peace and how great peace is, it would do me no good because you can't have one without the other. You're not gonna experience the perfect peace if you don't understand how to keep your mind stayed on God. So that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. And I know that a lot, a lot of people think, well, this, this sounds you know, pretty elementary. I just need to think about God. You know, It sounds great in a text when somebody's having a rough day and you're like, just turn your eyes upon Jesus. But we know it's not always that easy, right? When we get born again, we don't get a brand new mind that just thinks about God all the time at every second. Our mind stayed on him. That's not how it works. We get, a, we get a brand new spirit, but our minds have to be renewed. Scripture says a lot about our minds. To name a few, we are to love God with all of our mind. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have the mind of Christ. We're not to set our mind on earthly things. Our minds matter to God. We say this at New Song all the time. If it matters to you, it matters to God. But also the opposite is true. If it matters to God, then it should matter to us. And our minds matter a great deal to God. What we are thinking about, it matters to Him. So it needs to matter to us. So tonight, we're going to give ourselves a checkup from the neck up. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're getting a checkup from the neck up. Okay, you don't, have to, you don't have to do this in a small group moment. But I do have a question for you tonight. What have you been thinking about lately? What have you been thinking about lately? Late at night, when all the world is sleeping, I stay up and think of you. Any Selena? I love Selena, guys. Love Selena. Selena stays up and thinks of you, or she did. But what do I, listen, I love Selena. I love her. Um, but what do you stay up late at night thinking about? What do you stay up at night thinking about? When you're up and no one else is in the house, what's going through your mind? Um, what do you think about when you, when you first woke up this morning? 
What was the first thought that crossed your mind? What were you thinking about on the way here tonight? What were you thinking about uh, during worship? What had your mind reeling at work last week? What do you think about? The average person has more than 30,000 thoughts a day. And apparently 70% of those thoughts are negative. Which kind of goes with what Pastor Josh talked about today. Negative thoughts lead to more negative thoughts. That's true. If 70% of the 30,000 thoughts that we're thinking a day are negative, a study of 2,000 adults found that women spend an average of almost two hours a day feeling worried or stressed. Two hours a day. Okay, same study, this was done last year, found that 47% of women, forget about the two hours, 47% of women feel constantly overwhelmed and worried. 47% of women constantly overwhelmed and worried. That doesn't sound like perfect peace to me. The same study done last year, it lists that the 40 things, or 40 things that women are thinking and worrying about most. Now, I have, um, I thought about reading you all of the 40 things, um, but instead I, I compiled the list into four categories. And each of these terrarium, um, they represent the category, right? This is the stuff that women are thinking the most about. This first terrarium, it represents just what's going on in the world. It represents um, things like COVID. And are you... <laughs> the new strands of COVID. Should you get the vaccine? Should you not get the vaccine? Um, this is uh, the, this terrarium represents politics and what's going on in our nation and, and the unrest and, and the, the, the division that we're seeing in our country like never before. Um, it represents listening to podcasts on Spotify to try to keep up with what's going on in the world. Checking out clips on YouTube or CNN or Fox News. We're checking Facebook, which is a super reliable news source, right? (laughs) Facebook, Google, we're thinking about trying to keep up with what's going on in the world. This is what women are thinking about. The second terrarium, it represents just your responsibilities, things that you are personally responsible. We've all got that never ending to-do list that's constantly running through our mind. We're making sure that um, we're keeping up with our bills, that uh, we've, we've, uh, are, are checking our budget to make sure we're on a task there. We're thinking about the people that we're the boss of, or we're thinking about our boss and the things that we have to do at work, our to-do list, the things we've got to do at home, making dinner, mailing checks, whatever it is that we have to do. This is the things that we're personally responsible for. We're shopping on Amazon, making sure our subscribe and save is, is coming when it's supposed to. We're making our grocery list on Walmart, making sure we get that time reserved. We're checking our mail, making sure we get that thought. Uh, 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 what's the word? Um, in Evernote, yeah, making sure it's um, archived in Evernote. And then this box, the third terrarium, it represents relationships. It represents our family, our friends, people in our lives that we are thinking about. We're, we're thinking about our kids and how they're getting really big, really fast. And we're thinking about different things that they're go- going through. Um, maybe it's uh, stuff with your spouse. Maybe you're just trying to think about how to keep the, the spark alive. Maybe you're up at night, you're, you've you've recently learned that your husband has a pornography addiction and you're up at night wondering if he's struggling with this and not telling you. What are you thinking about? Maybe it's just that um, you don't have a spouse and that's what you're thinking about. You want to get that man. You want to find that man. Uh, 
Maybe it's that friend that's going through something. All of our friends seem to be going through things and you want to be here for them always. How I can be there for that friend. Maybe it's a sick family member um, that you're helping take care of. You, you need them to get well soon. There's all kinds of things that are going on with our family that keep our minds occupied. What's going on with people that we see on Instagram? We see their pipes are busting and then we're thinking about them. We're thinking about people on Instagram that we don't even know personally, but we're following them and we're following their family drama and we're thinking about that stuff. On GroupMe, our small group, what they're going through. We're on Messenger and um, just thinking about the people in our lives, our relationships. And then this last terrarium represents ourself. I made it last because most, most of us, we think about ourselves the least, right? Um, but we're wondering if we're taking enough vitamins, if we're taking the right vitamins, um, if we're working out enough. We're thinking about how we can be more confident and what our Enneagram number is and we need to wash our face and all this stuff. Um, we're, we're pointing the mirror toward us, right? And our, our, our deal and our wanting to grow and be better we're, or we're, we're vegging on Hulu and Netflix and not thinking about anything because we need some me time, right? We're, we're on Kindle reading books, uh, like I said, self-help books, or we're on Pinterest making sure that we are staying on trend. We're wondering, are skinny jeans and side parts really a thing of the past? If so, I'm going to have to go jean shopping so soon. So we have a lot to think about, right? We have a lot going on in our lives. And it's no wonder why with all of this stuff running through our minds, why we are um, not experiencing this peace, peace, but instead being constantly overwhelmed. So we're going to talk about tonight how we can stay um, with our mind on God. Our mind stayed on him. We've talked about peace. We've talked about being kept. We've talked about how our mind is talking about our thought life. But I want to focus on this word stay because this is kind of the word that ties it all together. The word stay here, it means to root or the root word means to prop. It's like kind of like a kickstand that's holding up a bike. Uh, that's what this, the, the root of this word means. It means to lean on, to bear up, to uphold, to lay on, to put on, to set on, to stay on, to rest on, putting all of your weight on this. So the idea here is that God wants to keep you, tend to you, preserve you in his perfect, all caps, intense, unending, undisturbed peace. Proviso, your mind is leaning on him. It's resting on him. It's being upheld by him. It's laying on him. You're going to keep it there and rest it right there on him. Now, a few weeks ago, Pastor Michael Todd in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Transformation Church he literally made it rain, right? Made it rain. And the internet was going crazy the next day about like him and his little boat and it's raining and how in the world did his creative team do that? Okay, Mike Todd makes it rain, but Sarah Blunt, she makes it brain. <laughs> now I know it's not as cool as the brain or the rain, but this is a cute little brain, right? Uh, my daughter, Sunny, she saw this, you know, came to my house a couple weeks ago, and she loves this thing. And so I've heard some really weird things around the house lately, like, Mom, when are you going to be done with your brain? Because I want to sleep with it. Um, <laughs> or the other day, she was running through the house with it, and Josh was like, go put, that, go put Mom's brain back on her desk. She's not done with it yet. <laughs> so yeah, she, um, she's ready for me to be done. Is love his over? When do I get to have your brain? So... Um, 
I'm hoping that this little guy helps imprint this word on your heart. Because here's the thing, when I was studying this word stay, God gave me an image, a vision in, in my mind's eye. I saw myself carrying my brain, not as cute as this one, around in my hand. And I was um, deciding and choosing where I was going to put that brain, what shelf of thoughts I was going to let it sit on, where I was going to let it rest, where I was going to prop it up on. And uh, whether you know it or not, you are carrying your brain around and you are making decisions like that all day, every day. Where are you going to let your mind rest? Is it going to stay on God? Now, um, I have developed the discipline to get up and spend time with the Lord every morning. So I start my day with my mind on God. I start my day thinking about him. I start my day in the word. I start my day um, praying, talking to him. My mind is stayed on him during that time. I worship. Um, even as I'm, I'm done with my quiet time, I'm making breakfast. I've got worship music going. I'm still thinking about him. My mind is stayed on him. And then I go to get ready for the day. I'm putting on makeup. I'm getting dressed. I've got a message playing. And I'm renewing my mind with the word. My mind is stayed on him. I, I'm driving to school, taking my daughter Sunny to school. And we're still, my mind's on him because we're worshiping together and praying over the day. My mind is stayed on him. But then after I drop her off at school, then I know quickly my mind goes over here. And I'm thinking about my to-do list and my tasks and my responsibilities and the meeting I'm about to go into. I'm thinking about the friend that I saw that's going through something on Instagram. I'm thinking about what workout I'm going to do. Then I'm back over here thinking about the budget, thinking about the stupid busted pipe, thinking about whatever's going on in the house. Then I'm thinking about my daughter and I've got to go pick her up from school. And then it's time to be like mom mode. It's time to leave the responsibilities over here, the work stuff behind, and now it's time for family mode. It's time to make dinner. It's time to connect with my kids. It's trying to help, it's time to help them keep their mind on God. And now it's time for me. And it's time to connect with Josh. It's time for um, some good, good loving, right? It's time to, it's time to take a bath. It's time to read a book. It's time to watch the crown. It's me right here. This is my time. And then I'll think about God a little bit more and then my day's over and then I start over again. And I'm finding that there's certain times I'm really good at keeping my mind on God in the morning specifically, but then the rest of the day, my mind is stayed on different thoughts throughout the day. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you have moments in your day where your mind is on him. Your mind's on him right now. Your mind's on him on Sundays at church. Your mind's on him when with your small group. But then it's over here on this relationship issue, the drama you're having with your friend, the new baby sleep schedule. It's on politics. It's on what's going on with the world. It's on researching the vaccine to the nth degree. It's on your workout. Whatever it is, your mind, it's bouncing around instead of staying on him. God wants us to keep our mind stayed on him. So how do we do this? How do we keep our mind stayed on him? First, we have to understand the problem. We have to diagnose it. I want you to understand tonight that there is a deficit in the amount of attention that we give to God on a daily basis. There's a deficit in the amount of attention that we're giving to God on a daily basis. We have an attention deficit disorder. And this disorder is leading to disease. It's leading to dysfunction. It's leading to disruption. It's leading to the opposite of this peace, peace that God wants to keep us in that he wants to hold us in. We're slipping, finding ways to slip out of this promise because we're not giving the right amount of attention to God. 
You've, you've probably heard the statement, out of sight, out of mind. Um, God is out of our mind throughout most of the day because he's out of our sight. Because we're not aware of his presence. Because we're not looking for him. So out of sight, out of mind. I read this quote this week and it is so disturbingly accurate. It says, I believe the most prevalent and tragic misunderstanding that afflicts contemporary Western Christianity, that's us, is that we make a vow to submit our life to Christ, but then spend 99% of our time excluding him from our awareness. We make him Lord over our life in theory, but we do not make him Lord over most of the moments that make up our life. The fact is, if we can't discern God's presence in our day-to-day lives, it's unlikely that we'll find him at a revival or love his. We may find a lot of excitement and guest speakers and superb music and maybe even see signs and wonders. Get this. But unless a person learns to find God as much in the ordinary as in the exciting, the exciting will do nothing more than serve as a momentary distraction. On the way here, I was praying, praying in the spirit over tonight, and I felt like the Lord said, this has to be the last distraction. We can't keep coming to churches. This is just a distraction from the chaos in my life. This is the last distraction. We're going to live in this place of peace, peace, being kept there because we're going to learn how to keep our attention on him throughout the day. I hope that that quote breaks your heart a little or a lot. I hope that you feel some conviction, not condemnation, but conviction. I hope that you're thinking in this moment about how God, who loved you so much, a holy God who could be near unholy us, he sent his one and only son. Why? So he could be near us, so he could be close to us. This is our God. He loves you and he's thinking of you constantly. He knows when you wake up, he knows when you lay down. He knows the number of hairs that you have on your head. He knows when I lose an eyelash. He knows when I have a headache. He knows when my heart is aching. He's the only one who's never let me down. He's the only one who knows every thought I've ever thought and still loves me. He loves me so much. This is the God who went to the greatest lengths possible to include us. And how do we repay him? By excluding him from 99% of our lives. God, forgive us. We just repent, Lord, forgive us. Help us be more aware of you. Help us to include you in our lives, Lord. We hear you knocking on the door of our hearts, Lord. Thank you that this is the last momentary distraction, but that we can live in a place of peace. Peace, give us a heart tonight like David's. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look with me in Psalm 27, 4. Because I, as I asked the Lord, okay, how do we do this? How do we keep our mind on him? What's the key to this? How are we supposed to keep him in our sight so we can keep him on our mind, so we can keep our thoughts on him, so we can be kept in this perfect peace? How do we do this? He led me to Psalm 27, 4. David's writing, and he says, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple, Maverick City Music. They're my favorite right now. They have a song and it goes, uh, one thing I desire, only this I seek, is to dwell, dwell, dwell here forever. 
they got that song from this song of David's. The one thing I ask, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, David is not saying that he wants to become a separatist and he wants to live separated from everything all the time. He wants to live in the literal temple thinking about God all day, every day. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying, this is really good. In fact, if I was gonna, if I was gonna name this message, I would name it Unbroken Awareness. This is what he's saying. He says, my desire, the one thing I desire, the thing I seek most is to keep an unbroken awareness of your presence, a constant flow, a constant communication with you. Why did he desire this and seek this above everything else? Because he knew that an awareness of God would lead to the peace of God being broken and poured out over his life always and forever, no matter what was going on. Now, right before David wrote this, a couple verses before he writes how the wicked are coming against him. The wicked are eating up his flesh. That's like zombie stuff, right? But David doesn't say the one thing I ask, the one thing I seek God, the one thing I'm asking is for you to get rid of all my problems, to get rid of these zombies, to get rid of my crazy father-in-law. The one thing I ask is for money, fame, power, favor. No, he says, the one thing I ask, the one thing I seek is to dwell, dwell, dwell forever here in your presence, to live in your presence, to abide in your presence, to be aware of your presence. David knew that peace doesn't come from the absence of conflict, the absence of his enemies, but peace comes from being aware of the presence of God. It comes from being aware of the presence of God. So what if we just start praying this prayer? Like, let's just start praying this prayer. God, the one thing I ask, the only thing I ask, the only thing that I'm asking for you today is to be aware of your presence. Then everything will be good. We'll think about him all the time, right? No. Okay, look at the verse with me again. It says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, that's the prayer. Now look at this part. The thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David wasn't just asking or wishing or fantasizing about being in the presence of God. He was asking and seeking. He was an asker and a seeker. If you're taking notes, write this down. Holy desires must lead to resolute action. Holy desires. Tonight, I am hoping that there is a holy desire that's being stirred up in your heart to keep your mind on him, to have unbroken awareness in your life of the presence of God. There's a holy desire that's being stirred in you. And when that happens, when you're in his presence, when you're reading the word, when you're at church, when that desire comes, know that you can't just have the desire and be like, oh, that was great. It has to lead to resolute action. Many desires are unsatisfied. These holy desires, they're unsatisfied because our conduct, the way we conduct our lives, doesn't correspond with the desires. You say you desire to be in his presence and aware, but your conduct doesn't match up with that. Many a prayer remains unanswered because its prayers never do anything to fulfill their prayers. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. used to say. He used to quote this West African proverb that goes, when you pray, move your feet. When you pray, say it with me, move your feet. We all know how to ask. We can ask for the presence of God. We can do that. We've known how to ask since we were one minute old. Asking, feed me, get me in a swaddle, change my diaper. We know how to 
ask, but how do we seek? How do we move our feet? We want to move our feet. I, I feel like there are people going, okay, I want to do this. I want to ask and I want to move my feet. Just tell me the direction to move my feet in. What do I do? Well, I think there's a lot of ways that you can seek his presence, but this is the direction God gave me for tonight. The way that we're to move our feet. We have to stop segregating our lives into sacred and secular. We have to stop segregating our lives into sacred over here, secular over here. Like this is my time when my mind's going to be stayed on God. My quiet time. And when I'm at church and when I'm listening to music in my car, worship music, this is when my mind is stayed on God. But this is like the secular, the living and doing, the task. Um, I'm not really interested in thinking about God during this stuff. And I don't think he's really interested in being in the minutia of this stuff either. So sacred stuff, you stay over here. And secular stuff, you stay over here. And we're not going to blur these lines. If we keep that up, we're going to keep excluding him from 99% of the moments that make up our lives, right? We have to stop segregating our lives. Um, last month, I read a book called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And um, it was written 300 years ago by a Carmelite monk um, who lived in a monastery in Paris, and he was a cook there. Now, maybe I lost you at Monk. <laughs> and you're going, yeah, of course, Brother Lawrence um, has got this mind state on God stuff down. He's a monk. And that's like what monks do, right? They sit in their monastery and they just think about God. They have no secular. Everything is sacred. But I'm not a monk. I'm a mom, you're thinking. I am homeschooling my kids that I never agreed to homeschool because of COVID, but we're doing it and we're doing the best we can and I still have a full-time job and we're making it work. I'm not a monk, I'm a mom, you're thinking. Or I'm not a monk, I am a manager. Or I'm not a monk, I'm a student. I get it. And I know like, great for Brother Lawrence, but sister so-and-so, I live in the real world world and I have secular things that I have to do and things that I've got to think about, responsibility, family. Um, but before you count out Brother Lawrence, before you think that there's nothing that you can learn from this 17th century monk, I want to just talk about how he went about his day. Because the way that he goes about his day, I, I, I think is a great pattern for how we can start to desegregate our lives um, from secular and sacred and how we can begin to incorporate God into every moment of every day. Okay, so Brother Lawrence, he started his mornings in the presence of God. Now, just a quick disclaimer, if you aren't starting your day with God, just know that you should be. Like you, this is such a great way to start your day. I really want to implore you to get up before your kids, to get up and and. And make set your alarm get up so you're not rushed before you go to work before you go to school start your day in the presence of God before you do anything else I love how Corey Russell says it he says make Jesus the first person you look at the first person you hear and the first person you talk to and it will shift the rest of your day okay so we got to start our mornings in the presence of God okay but most of us as we do this maybe you've built this discipline into your life maybe I'm guessing your quiet time, your morning time in the presence of the Lord looks a little bit like this. You get up, you kind of tiredly read a devotion, 
written by somebody else. Maybe read a Psalm, a proverb, an Old Testament, a New Testament chapter, right? Maybe you um, spend a little time listening to worship, say a little two-minute prayer, and then you're done, right? That's what your quiet time might look like. Um, but I love what Brother Lawrence quiet time looks like. It said he started his morning in the presence of God. Get this, determining to walk through the day with an attitude of great devotion. Not getting up and reading a little devotional, but getting up and determining that he's going to walk through the entire day with an attitude of devotion. My eyes on you, my thoughts towards you, my heart towards you. I am determining in this moment what the rest of my day is going to look like. And that is devotion to you, God. You're going to be in my thoughts. When I read that in the book, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, how determining are your quiet times? What are you determining as you wake up and you spend time in the presence of God? What if you woke up instead of reading a little devotional, you woke up and said, I am determining that I'm going to walk through this whole day devoted to you. He then goes on to say, he would also determine that God was going to be the target to which everything would point to for that day. God was going to be the goal in everything uh, in which everything would be fulfilled for from you are all things and to you are all things for you deserve the glory he's determining this is what his day is going to look like and then he had to have this moment where like all of us do we have our quiet time in the morning and then the kids wake up and then it's time to go to work and we have to leave our prayer closet right we have to leave that space and leave that moment and leave that time with God same with brother Lawrence he had his time in the morning in the presence but then he did have to leave and go to the kitchen. He was a cook, remember? He had tasks to set his hands to. He had things that he had to do in the kitchen, but he didn't just walk away from God in that moment. He kept God at the center of everything that he would do. He would go through his list of things he had to do today in the order he had to do them, and he would invite God into every single task and say, I need you. Would you be my helper? Would you be my assistant? Would you be the Lord of my emotions through this day? He made it his goal to keep his mind stayed on God all throughout the day no matter what he was doing whether he was cutting carrots or making a stew whatever I'm thinking they have a lot of stew in the monastery okay so while he was making this he just he would he it was his goal to keep his mind on God and of course his mind would drift and he'd realize I haven't thought about God in a while and you know what he would do he would just pick his mind up and he would put it back on God he would just keep doing that over and over again I haven't thought about God in a while I'm going to pick my mind up and I'm going to stay on him. I'm going to think about his nature. I'm going to think about his goodness. I'm going to adore him for a little while here. I'm going to keep my mind stayed on him. And as he began to do this, the practice, the book is called The Practice of the Presence of God because it's a practice. He began to do this and it just became second nature to him. The presence of God became second nature to him. I love what he says. He says in the book, the time of work is not different for me than the time of prayer and the noise and clatter of my kitchen while several people are calling out at the same time for different things, I possess God or I'm aware of God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. So he's saying, my mind is stayed on God during the most chaotic parts of my day, the most secular parts of my day, same as it is stayed on God during holy communion. He began to desegregate his life. He began to figure out how he could, he could stop keeping all this stuff over here and keeping God out of it, how he could 
do these things that we have to do and think about, but how we could keep God on our minds as we do it. Our minds stayed on God even while we're in the middle of our day. Now, people who knew Brother Lawrence said there was such a sweet and calm spirit about him. It was observed that even in the greatest bustle of the kitchen work, he preserved his composure and heavenly mindedness. I love those words. I want people to be able to say that about me for my kids to be able to say, mom had such composure. (laughs) She was so heavenly minded. That's what I'm working towards. They could say that about him because he was being kept in peace, peace. Um, It says that he was never hurried or loitering, which I find is where most women live. We're either hurrying, like going a million miles a minute, go, 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 or we're loitering, watching Hulu and Netflix and on Instagram and Facebook for hours. Stop wasting your life on social media, please. No hurrying and no loitering. That's the kind of life I want. I want to, I don't want to live that, that hurrying or loitering life. I want to have composure. I want to be heavenly minded, which means I have to practice the presence of God. I have to be intentional, uh, intentional about keeping my mind stayed on him. Here's the thing, ladies. I think so often we dismiss a proviso like this, or we dismiss a command that says, pray constantly without ceasing. We think, not for me, too lofty, not attainable. That's not realistic. And so because we think that, then we don't even attempt it. We, we don't even try to pray continually without ceasing. We don't even try to keep our mind stayed on him because we've bought into this lie. It's too lofty and attainable. And it's only for monks like Brother Lawrence. But a mind stayed on God is not lofty and unattainable. Here's what it is. It's actually a series of small gestures throughout the day. Don't think of it as this big lofty thing, but instead it's little things all throughout the day, small gestures throughout the day. It's the lifting of our eyes, of our hearts, of our minds to stop and think about God. It's one little remembrance at a time, one act of adoration after another. It's micro mindfulness. That's what the word God gave me, micro mindfulness. It's so micro. It's not something that people are even going to notice you're doing. You know, when you're grocery shopping, no one's going to know that you're adoring God in your heart. It's micro, but it's these small and continual and internal adorations that keep us at the feet of Jesus, that keep our mind resting on him. Listen, if he's stirring that holy desire in you tonight, I want you to know that you're not alone in this that the Holy Spirit wants to be your helper. He wants to bring all things to your remembrance. He wants to come and speak to you in that still, small, beautiful, reassuring voice and just remind you of God's faithfulness so you can keep your mind on Him. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. I've got three words, three filters in these last three minutes that God gave me. As I asked the Holy Spirit to help me, I want to do better. I want to think about you. I want to include you in my day. I want to include you in all parts of my day. How do I do this? He gave me three words, and these are like three um, go-to thought filters. You guys probably, I don't know, maybe I have 
three go-to photo filters. I have a pretty um, lame iPhone, and so if I want to post a picture, I've got three go-to filters, light and airy, bright white, sunset, and warmth. If I want to post a picture, I'm going to run it through one of those filters. Okay, think about that with your thoughts. These are three filters that you can run your thoughts through to help you keep your mind stayed on him so that you can live in the place of perfect peace. The first one is motive, the motive filter. If you're taking notes by that, write down for God. Your motive is for God. This isn't about changing what you do. You have to still take care of your family and you have to keep up with things going on in the world. You have to take care of yourself. It's not about changing what you do, but it's about doing what you do for God's sake instead of for your own sake. It's about driving your kids to school or picking up the groceries or, or uh, loving your employees or your employer well, serving them well, um, because Jesus loved you and served you well. I'm doing this. I am motivated by you and by your love. I'm doing this for you, all things for you. The second filter is the power filter. The power filter, by that one, right, by God. So motive for God, power by God. Okay, as you leave your prayer closet, as you leave your quiet time, and you have to set your hands to outward things, know that you're not only motivated um, to do these things for God, but the Holy Spirit is empowering you so that you can do them by God. That you're not only motivated to serve your family uh, by God, but he's empowering you to serve your family. When you're watching the news and you start to feel overwhelmed and uneasy, remember that he empowers you to walk in victory. That he empowers you to understand that he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Think about the source of your power and that will draw your attention and your affection back to God. And then the last filter is the companion filter the companion filter, and that is with God. Motive for God. Power by God. Companion with God. Just being aware that Emmanuel, God with us, is with you. He's with you as you drive to work in the morning. He's with you as you are scrolling Instagram and saying, hey, I'm here. He's with you as you're hurting. He's with you as you're celebrating. He's with you as you're reading bedtime stories to your kids. He is with you as you're making dinner. He is with you as you're having that important business meeting. He is with you as you're pumping gas on the way to love his. I'm afraid that you're going to be late. He is with you. He is with you. If you will just think about that, that he is with you, will help you keep your mind stayed on him. Start to apply these filters to your your, uh, thoughts and you will start to receive what you're asking for which is to dwell in this unbroken awareness of the presence of God. Just to dwell, dwell, dwell here in his presence forever. This, the last disturbance. This, the last distraction. But from here on out, just being, I live in a place of being aware of his presence, continual peace. He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. If you would stand your feet. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.